So let's read John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that word life is the word I wanna zoom in on today. Because Jesus gave his life on the cross that we might be forgiven, but he did not stay dead. And a couple days later, he was raised to life so you and I might live forgiven. That word life, that word life in John 3, 16 is the Greek word zoe, it's an amazing word, it means this. The highest level of blessedness a human can live, the fullness of everything in God from now into eternity. It's used 125 times in the New Testament from John 3, 16, which implies then and there, but also John 10, 10, which implies here and now. This is that verse. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that right now you you may have life, there it is, and have it to the full. Zoe, eternal life in heaven forever. But according to Jesus, it's not just then and there, just like the song we just sang, the kingdom of heaven marked by righteousness and peace and joy in this Zoe abundant life we are all so thirsty for is available in here right now, today. Zoe, everything in God from now into eternity. And today I just wanna get practical I wanna get helpful, and I wanna preach a message called Three Basic Principles of Zoe, of Abundant Life. Because we throw out that phrase, life to the full, all the time. Sometimes you walk away from church and feel like you can run through a wall or take on a lion, but you don't really know what does that mean for my Monday. I wanna help you with that today. So God, we love you so much. Thank you that your presence is here. It's no longer behind a veil. It's in this room. We wanna encounter you today. So have your way and speak to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may take a seat. Welcome to church. Did anybody have a favorite stuffed animal growing up? Or you still have one, maybe, favorite stuffed animal? I wanna introduce you to my son, Will. This is, this is Will's crew, okay? We call this his guys, let me introduce you, starting from the left, that's Bunny. He is the most notorious of all of them, okay? Bunny, um, we've gotten our money's worth out of Bunny. I'll just say it that way. If Toy Story is based on a true story, maybe it's a documentary and we just have no idea. Um, but if Bunny's real, then Bunny is the most loved, the happiest, most snuggled little stuffed rabbit this side of eternity. And the proof is in his smell, okay? He smells, he smells what I imagine pink eye probably smells like, okay? No matter how many times we put him through the wash, Bunny stinks. And then next to him we have Bear, really creative. And then next to him is Captain America, who Will properly refers to as Steve Rogers. It just makes me as a dad so proud. And then there's Puppy, and then there's Doggy. Once again, very creative. We have Bunny, Bear, Puppy, Doggy, and Steve, okay? This is Will's crew. Have you ever, by the way, watched a three-year-old try to carry way like too many, like too many things at once? For some reason, toddlers get obsessed with so many things and they refuse to put things down. They just try to carry everything. Well, every evening at bedtime, when it's time to go up the stairs, Will gets all of his guys, or at least he tries to, but he refuses to take two trips, just refuses. Reminds me of every grown man carrying the groceries in from the car. This would be easier and probably take less time if I just made two trips, but there's something in me that needs to prove to the world and prove to myself that I got this. 
Like Will, he'll, he'll have Bunny, Puppy, and Captain America and reach down to get Doggy and whoop, there goes Cap, right? There goes Steve. And he'll pick up Steve Rogers, but then whoop, there goes, there goes Bunny. He can't do it. He can't carry all of them. Watch this spiritual transition right here. This is kind of like what Jesus says about life. In Matthew 16, here it is. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. But whoever wants to save their life and try to carry it and hold on to it will, whoop, lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find my life. In other words, you need to set down your life if you want to pick up. Jesus's life. In other words, you can't carry both at the same time. And remind you, when we're talking about life today, I'm not talking about having a pulse. I'm not talking about breathing. We all know you can, you can have a warm body that doesn't necessarily mean that you're alive. You can be existing that doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually living. I'm talking about actual life, the kind that Jesus came to bring. Following Jesus means losing your life in order to walk in his life. That's Zoe by losing your life. So we know about Zoe. What's the Greek word behind losing your life? Here it is. It's the word suke, life from the flesh, circumstantially correlated to the world and its things. So suke is great as long as everything else is great. Here's how you have a good suke, you guys. Just make sure everything's awesome and your boss is pumped and nobody's mad at you and your kids always behave. It's always a good hair day. There's never any traffic. You're always either on vacation or you got a vacation around the corner. You're never sick and there's never another pandemic. Just do those things, guys, and you'll have a great life based out of your own power, circumstantially correlated to the world and its things. Just do that. Most people are trying. Most Christians continue to try or lose that version of life and find his. Zoe, abundant, life, and life to the full. I don't mean everything just going well all the time. That's not, sometimes, absolutely. I'm talking about a richness that runs deeper than circumstances. You cannot carry both. Daily set down suke in order to daily pick up Zoe. I wanna give you three simple ways to do that today. Three basic principles of life and life abundance. Sound good? Who's ready for number one? You guys ready? Okay, buckle up, let's go. Number one, get better. Get better. Just go do that. Get better. I think you're gonna like this. Life to the full is not a destination you arrive at. It's a journey you're on. It's not waiting for you to get there tomorrow. It's ready for you to experience today. So the moment you receive Jesus into your heart, something called salvation takes place. But don't mistakenly think salvation is a finish line. Salvation is actually the beginning of all of it. Salvation is the starting line of this amazing, adventurous journey with Jesus called sanctification. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began, there's salvation, a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Carry it on. 
Zoe is not a place, it's a path, which implies forward motion. You know, it's interesting, psychologists will tell you the happiest people on the planet are actually not those who have arrived. Ironically, for those we've considered to have arrived, they are the, the least happiest people on the planet. Happiness is actually found in just simply moving a little bit every single day in that direction. Following Jesus indicates there's motion, that you're going somewhere with him. You know, Jesus did not save any of us so we could stay the same. You know, the, the well-meaning friend who wrote in your yearbook, don't ever change, you know they were wrong, right? I mean, I hope you've changed. I hope you're different. I hope you're stronger and wiser and more mature and more complete than you were five years ago. He is calling us ever forward into the more that he has for you. This is Hebrews 10, 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect salvation forever. Those who are also at the same time being made holy, sanctification, which means right now you are positionally perfect in Jesus Christ. When God looks at you because of the blood of Jesus and the great exchange, he looks at you, he sees the perfection of Jesus despite the fact that today you're still a work in progress. He has made perfect those who are being made perfect. So here's the deal. You don't have to be perfect but the calling of a Christian is, I do have to get better. And what an honor that is, that God loves you too much to let you stay the same. And so my question is, when I say get better, I mean, are you growing? I don't mean do better to earn something. That's not, the gospel leaves no room for that. You're perfect in Jesus, positionally. So not for that, but from that, are you growing? Are you getting better today than you were yesterday? Are you actively becoming who God has called you to become? And for some of us, for some of you, it's your circle of closest friends who are actually maybe holding you back. And they're not bad people. They're just keeping you from, from growing. It's a lot easier to not grow when nobody else around you is either because stagnation loves company, and you become like the people you surround yourself with. It's not my opinion, this is just a fact. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, your personality, I mean, even the way we talk, we tend to mimic the accents of the people we hang out with. Even financially, Dave Ramsey says, it's most likely your salary will be the average of all of the salaries of the five people closest to you in your life. And some of you just went, oh crap, like that just got your attention. <laughs> And this is not about making money, this is about making a point that the people in your circle, they're either pushing you towards God or they're pulling you away. So the people in your circle, do you wanna be like them? That's my question, because you will be. That's my statement. Is there forward motion in your life? Are they spurring you on to the more that God has for you? Do they refuse to let you stay the same? Are you growing? Once again, not for perfection, but from the perfection that's already been purchased for you. God's given you gifts. He's given every single person gifts. You are uniquely wired and woven together in a very unique and specific way. My question is, are you matching his gift with your work ethic? Are you cultivating your gifts behind the scenes? Because until, until you put a demand on your gifts in private, the world will never put a demand on your gifts in public. We're not just crossing our fingers hoping we're gonna accidentally just arrive overnight. 
stumble into more godliness. Oh, I'm just more mature accidentally. I just grew by mistake. We're not crossing our fingers hoping to arrive overnight. We are committed to growing over time. Don't compare yourself to somebody else today. Compare yourself, if you have to, to, some, to who you were yesterday. You don't have to be your best today. I just have to get better today. And that happens little by little through every small decision we make. Because after all, you will not rise to the level of your dreams, comma, you will fall to the level of your decisions, period. Your small daily, seemingly insignificant, yet infinitely important daily decisions. You will get to where you're going one step at a time, and it won't be a mystery how you got there. It will make complete sense. So small daily good decisions. My question is this, why is that so challenging? The things I know are good for me, why is it so hard to do those things? The things I know are bad for me, why do I find myself just over and over falling back into this? I think it's because good decisions can feel like a moment of death but leads to a lot of life, whereas bad decisions, while it leads to a lot of death, in the moment feels like life. Small daily good decisions can sometimes feel like, like sacrifice, right? Rehab feels like a month of death and sacrifice, but ask anybody who used to be an addict what it leads to. Fasting feels like a day of sacrifice and death, but it leads to exponentially more of God's presence in your life, his peace in your life, and answered prayers in your life as well. Saving money when you wanna spend it in the moment feels like death, feels like a moment of sacrifice, but if we know anything, it's every momentary crucifixion is followed by an exponential resurrection. Maybe that's why Jesus said, you find Zoe life when you die to your suke life. We're remembering Greek, we're walking out of here smarter today. Zoe and Suke, Jesus said, you find the life you're actually looking for when you die to your Suke life through small, seemingly insignificant, yet infinitely important daily decisions. And that's why I believe forward motion, getting better, sanctification, once again, following Jesus implies I am going somewhere. Sometimes we can, it's like the moving sidewalk at the airport. You stand on it, and if you're not moving, you can just stand and you will mistakenly assume I'm actually moving. It's like, no, you're standing on something that is. Sometimes we can just stand on a move of God. We're sitting right smack in the middle of a move of God right now. But are you just standing on it? Or are you yourself moving while on a move of God as well? I don't have to be perfect, but I gotta get better today. It's my calling, it's my honor, because perfection is already mine in Jesus, amen? Number two, here we go, see longer. We just talked about getting better, now I wanna talk about seeing longer. Never underestimate what God can do through a group of people who are simply willing to play the long game. I'm so excited for this point. Why, because anything is possible for God if you give him enough time. 
Guys, we are notorious at this, and I'm the worst. We overestimate what we could accomplish in a year. A year seems like so long. But we dramatically underestimate what God could do in us and through us if we gave him five or 10 or 20. I wanna get you to, to see longer today because part of Zoe life is bearing fruit, which requires time. It's making a difference in this world. Part of you feeling like I'm walking in everything God has for me will be found in you seeing impact that your life is happening on the world around you. You want your life to bear fruit. Here's the secret according to Jesus, straight out of his mouth in John 15, four. He says, remain in me, just remain in me. Easier said than done, but the simplicity of it is refreshing. And remaining implies time. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So we all know this, but we need the constant reminder. We're not just saved so that we can... We can live as if the goal of life is to one day arrive safely at death. We're called to bear fruit, to spend our lives for something that will outlive our lives, right? To, to be bold and to build and to feel deeply the highs and lows of life and to, to cultivate community and build marriages and friendships and inspire and disciple coworkers and raise kids and give and serve. And this is the fruit that will outlive your life, the fruit that gets produced through you when you simply remain, when you set down your life and you pick up his. You wanna live effective. You wanna make an impact with your life. You wanna see fruit come from the things that you do. You wanna walk in the fruit of the spirit, stuff like joy and peace and contentment and kindness. You should, you were made for it. And according to Jesus, the secret all comes down to one word, remain. Just your ability to remain. See longer. Look at this graph. So scripturally speaking, there is a correlation between time that you give to something. So let's say this is your career. Let's say this is your marriage. Let's say this is the, the city you live in. Let's say this is the, the church you're going to. Let's say this is the community, the friend group that you're part of. There is a correlation between time remaining and the zoe, abundant blessing in life that you tap into. As you spend time cultivating a marriage, as you invest years into a career, even when it's not your dream job, as you plant yourself in the house of the Lord and you stick it out even through challenging seasons, whatever this is, a relationship or a city or a church or a career or a community, that thing mixed with time correlates to zoe, abundant life. And I wanna take just one moment to sincerely pastor you. I feel this point right here so deeply for myself and for my generation because we're nomadic in an adventurous way, which is amazing, but also in a restless and desperate way because we're searching for something. We love the idea of the next new horizon. I mean, who doesn't, but we especially do. I do too. The grass is greener always over the next new horizon, the next season, the next job, the next city, the next year, the next relationship. The next thing is so sexy all the time until you get there and you don't know how to be there 
because you never learned how to remain. You don't know how to be there once you get there. And all of a sudden, the future you've been romanticizing once again becomes the present that is letting you down. All because you, you can't see longer. I'm trying to get you to see a year is not as long as you feel like it is. Give God enough time, oh my gosh, what he can do in your life and through your life if you simply just remain. And I guess my, my fear from my generation is so many of us will only ever be familiar with the very first little section of a thousand different graphs. And we will never understand what happens as you remain and give God enough time. Because like, contrary to popular belief, the grass is not greener over the next mountain. The grass is greener where you water it. The Zoe abundant life you're so thirsty for is not waiting for you in the next season. It's waiting for you right now in the ground beneath your feet. The question is, can you remain and dig it up? Because you will never be able to arrive if you don't first learn how to abide. Now, don't get me wrong. God is also the God of new things. He's a God of new things, always doing something new. That's who he is. And, there are, and all throughout scripture, God is constantly calling men and women into the next new season. And for a lot of us, you might be at that point right now where in order to remain with God, you actually need to follow him over the next horizon he's leading you into. Absolutely, I'm just saying for my generation, we overplay that card. <laughs> because we're too restless to play the other card and remain. Because, I mean, am I the only one who wants God to move faster than he does? I want fruit to come faster than it does. All I'm saying is some addictions don't break overnight, some marriages aren't healed in a month, and that doesn't mean it's not working, it just means fruit that is worth having takes time to grow. But who's got time for that, right? In 2022, man, God, I've given you a month. How much longer do you need? It's been a month. <laughs> been in the Bible for five days, I'm not feeling anything yet. Been at this job six months. I haven't changed the world. Something's wrong. Been at this freaking Dave Ramsey total money makeover for three months. Haven't had a Starbucks latte. I'm still in debt. <laughs> Ate a kale salad today. No six pack yet. And it was so bad. <laughs> like I want to see some results. We want our fruit. Amazon Prime to us. That's the world we live in. Two day shipping max. If it's here tomorrow, better. Three days? I don't got, like who's got three days? I don't have three days. To us, a year is so long. What I'm trying to get you to see is to the God who was there before the beginning, it's not. It's just not. Ask anybody who understands the stock market. The future does not belong to the lucky or the talented. The future belongs to those who are willing to remain. So you know how to arrive in a new relationship. Do you know how to abide in the right one if you were to arrive there? You know how to arrive at a new job. Do you know how to be in it once you get there? You know how to run back to God. Do you know how to remain with him? We're like, I just feel, oh, just this endless search for the green grass. I've been listening to Tim McGraw all week in preparation for today. 
I want to live where the green grass grows. Watch my corn pop up in rows. Every night be tucked in close to you. I'm kidding, I'm not gonna. The stuff preachers do to make a point, you know? Touch three people, say water the grass where you're at. I'm kidding, don't do that. We're not about to do that. But I am saying the magic you're searching for, the zoe abundant a magic that you're searching for in this life is not over the next horizon. It's in the ground beneath your feet where you're standing today, just waiting for you to give enough time so your roots can grow deep enough to begin to tap into it. Let's go. <laughs> I've learned this since moving to Austin. I have never had a problem with dreaming bigger. But my word, when we moved here four years ago, God said, buddy, you got great dreams for Austin. It's not gonna happen in a year. But if you give me enough time, if you remain, never underestimate what God could do through a church that's just willing to remain, amen? All right, number three, we gotta keep going. Stay salty. Stay salty, baby. And I'll cite my source, it's Jesus in Matthew 5.13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. However, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. When I was eight, after school one afternoon, I was in the kitchen by myself and there was a bag of pretzels on the counter. I tried one and realized the salt's the best part and I spent the next 30 minutes of being unsupervised <laughs> licking the salt off of every pretzel and putting every single pretzel back in the bag. <laughs> Trying to cover my tracks, you know? And then my dad, like an hour later, has a pretzel. <laughs> it's just, I've never seen him that mad. <laughs> Boys, who did, like why? <laughs> and he threw him away because they lost their saltiness. No longer good for anything. So my question is, Jesus says we're the salt of the earth, so what the heck does he mean by that? What are you talking about, Jesus? Back in Jesus' day, salt was incredibly valuable. Today it's not because today it's mined, but back in Jesus' day, if you wanted salt, you had to go, you had to swim into the Dead Sea, swim to the bottom and get some salty seaweed and bring some salty seaweed up and they would use the salt on the seaweed, they would wrap all their meat and the filet mignons and the, the chicken and the fish in salty seaweed to preserve it because think about it, no refrigerators, no electricity because Ben Franklin wasn't around to tie the key to the kite and do the thing in the storm and discover electricity and so no fridges, no you know, freezer chest in your, in your garage with half an elk in it, like that just wasn't a thing. And so salt would be the preserver and Jesus is saying it's kinda like that, your salt. You preserve, preserve what? The things of God in your city. I'll give you an example. Since the first century, Christianity has been the largest religion in Europe. But today, if you go there, many countries, it looks way different than it used to. So you can go visit old cathedrals and old churches, but you don't go there anymore to experience God. You go there to see some cool architecture and hear stories about how God used to be the foundation of a country. So what happened? Well, Christians who once preserved the things of God lost their saltiness. Pastor Jonathan Pakluda describes Amsterdam this way. He said, once upon a time, 
the things of God and the values of Jesus were alive in Amsterdam. Somewhere along the way, however, Christians lost their saltiness and Amsterdam lost its godliness. And now you can walk up and down the streets and I've been there, amazing people, beautiful culture. And you see some amazing buildings, but it's weird. You also, it's like you can feel this spiritual darkness and heaviness on your skin around every single corner. And, and, and my point is no city is immune to that. The spiritual climate of Amsterdam will be the spiritual climate of Austin unless we preserve the things of God. Unless we are the God flavors that stand out and make people wonder. Authenticity in the age of image, love in an age of anger, humility in an age of ego, unity in the age of division, generosity in the age of, of stinginess. Jesus goes on after that to say, you're the salt of the earth, you're also the light of the world. And by the way, you're made to shine up the darkest of places and spaces. So if you think about like the lights in this room even, they're carefully placed and spaced to maximize light potential in this room. Next time it's a clear night sky, walk out and, and get your Timon and Pumbaa on. You know that scene where they're with Simba looking up at the stars and Pumbaa goes, Timon, you ever wonder what those sparkly dots are out there? And Timon goes, Pumbaa, I don't wonder, I know. And Pumbaa says, oh, what are they? And he says, they're fireflies. Fireflies that just got stuck up there in that big bluish black thing. And Pumbaa says, oh, I always thought there were balls of gas burning billions of miles away. And Timon says, Pumbaa, with you, everything's gas. You remember this scene? I'm trying to just paint it for you so you can get your Timon and Pumbaa on the next time it's a clear night and you can go out and look up and what you'll see is a metaphor for how God places his lights, you and me, me across a very dark backdrop called the world to maximize the light potential. We live in a dark world. The place you work is dark. And I would say to that, hey, good. That's why you're there. That's why God has put you there to be the salt of the earth, to make the people on your office floor wonder what is, what is it about you that you have that the rest of the world doesn't? to be a light in a dark place. And if we can just have real talk, that's super easy when you're standing on the stage doing what I'm doing right now because y'all are nice and we tend to all think well about this Jesus guy. It's also super easy, and I've done this before, uh, go, like getting on a plane, crossing an ocean, I'll be bold for Jesus, that's easy. It's another thing to cross the street. It's another thing to knock on your neighbor's door. I was reminded that of that two days ago when I realized it's been a while for me since I've knocked on my neighbor's door. Um, back in 2012, me, Ryan, and Ethan started reading our Bibles for the very first time and we just kind of saw, Jesus, it really seems like you're telling us to go into the world and be lights and be missionaries and tell as much people as we can about this amazing grace that we've experienced. And so for 2012, we were missionaries and we traveled all over the world, partnered with different pastors and, and, uh, and, and different organizations to be a light. And we saw amazing things and experienced some incredible miracles. And it was a, it was a year of just being used by God God in such big ways, but then it was over and then we came home and then I got a job waiting tables at the Mediterranean restaurant in Boulder, Colorado. And I hated it for the first six months. Like I would walk around feeling just like, I would pray but complain. God, hate it here. I was just a missionary. I was just in, I was just in Africa, in Uganda, in India doing so many, and now I know I'm supposed to be in ministry. You got me here just killing time. I hate this. Earth to God, I think I said that once. 
And I had a moment that will forever change my life where it's like God just to me says back, earth to Doug, heaven to Doug. Um, but one evening while I was on a dinner shift, he said, uh, really felt him impress on my heart. Hey, earth to Doug, what makes this so different from India? Hey, you're not just here in case you forgot to bring customers a lamb shank on time with a smile. You're here because I thought you were a missionary. You're here because this is dark and I've strategically placed one of my lights here. And while you're killing time until ministry starts one day, Adam and Katie, your coworkers are desperately looking for meaning and purpose in their lives. And so everything started to change. And I, I said, oh my gosh, I, okay, I'm here for a reason. And I, I, start, I said, God, open doors. And I started to have conversations. I remember a conversation I had with Adam where he, he said, hey, so you're like religious or something? And I said, I'm actually not, but I love Jesus. I'd love to hang out with you after work and explain to you what I mean by that. And then a couple days later, talked to Katie, who's very loud and has no filter, and we're rolling silverware. She had talked to Adam and heard that I was a Christian. And she said, so you're like a, one of those Jesus guys? And, and she said this, she said, so you mean to tell me you and your girlfriend don't have sex? like this loud, by the way. And I realized, no Christianese, I love this. Just real life and real talk. And I said, um, I said, Katie, we, we don't, no. And it is awful. <laughs> and uh, I said, that's why Christians um, have the shortest engagements of any people group. I, I didn't look that up, but I promise you that's true. I promise you it is. But I said to Katie, I said, but it, we, don't just, we don't just not do that to not do that. Can we hang out after? I wanna, I wanna talk to you about my faith. And I got to do that. And all of a sudden, waiting tables got a lot more interesting. It was like, God, the Holy Spirit somehow said, hey buddy, you're not killing time. You are the lead pastor of the Mediterranean restaurant in Boulder, Colorado. You are. And so I wanna leave you with that challenge this week for you too. You are the lead pastor of your home. You are the lead pastor of the eighth floor at Northwestern where you work. You're the lead pastor of your, your dorm. You're the lead pastor of your basketball team. You're the lead pastor of the hospital you work at. You're the lead pastor of your gym. God has placed you there for a reason. Do the people you work with know you're a Christian or not? Are you a light that shines in the darkness or are you not? Are you preserving the things of God? and standing out and making people wonder, or are you not? And once again, there's zero condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is an invitation daily into the Zoe abundant life. And I think you're made for this, and I think you'll find you start coming alive deep in your spirit when you begin to walk in the purpose that even overshadows every other purpose that we might minor in in our lives. This is our major, the great commission that is here for us to take personally. People are our passion, Jesus is our message, and it is an intriguing message. Let's make people wonder, from the perfection we have, I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna get better. From the perfection I have, I'm gonna see longer and give God more time and, and, and try patience and put roots down. So I wanna see something amazing happen and God will do it. 
Never underestimate what God can do through a church that simply sees longer and gives him enough time to do it. And just, I'm the salt of the earth, man. I'm the light of the world. This is a city on a hill. That's what I'm looking at. A city on a hill, right off two major highways in Austin, like a lighthouse to so many people who just are feeling lost and desperate and like, the suke life, they're so exhausted, just trying over and over, getting something to work, finding meaning. And, and so many people are just giving up and calling it and, and just, I can't find it. I can't find what I'm looking for. That's what we're dealing with right outside of these four walls. So let's shine brighter and brighter as a community of individuals who just love Jesus with so much passion that it stands out in a way that makes everybody else who's already thirsty go, I think they're onto something. Come here and experience what this amazing God believes about you, amen? Red Rocks, will you stand up? about to sing a song and it's just all about Jesus. And ultimately Zoe belongs to him. And I'm just telling you, he is not holding out on you when he says, drop this daily and RSVP yes to this daily. God is more for your joy and your abundance and your blessing and your life than even you. So take a few moments as we proclaim these lyrics. You can take the whole world, just give me Jesus. I want you to walk out of here believing what we sing, that even if the whole world was taken from you, you have everything still in Jesus Christ. Because Zoe is not correlated to circumstance or surroundings, but to a person. His name's Jesus and he's here. So Jesus, we love you. And we just look heavenwards towards you. And we say, you could take everything and if you're the only thing that remains, we still have it all. We trust you. I pray that people would experience and step into new levels of Zoe abundant life this week as we lay ours down and pick up yours. In Jesus' name, amen.